Hello, and welcome to today's episode of Hooked on Homeschool. I'm so excited to introduce you guys to Donna. She is a homeschool veteran. She's been homeschooling her two children for over 20 years. They are now maybe about 18 and 20 years old, and she's still schooling them, right? Our kids still need us. And I'm excited to have her share her wisdom on the show today. So I'm going to introduce you guys to Miss Donna. Hi, friends. Are you ready to homeschool, but you're just not sure how to begin? Do you feel overwhelmed or frustrated with the public school and noticing that your child is constantly struggling or falling behind? Are you ready to say goodbye to that hectic and stressful weekday schedule and embrace a completely different approach? Do you find that your child is exhausted from those long days at school, followed by hours of homework at night? And are you constantly experiencing stress and overwhelm as a result? I'm here to share some great news with you. There is a better way, and it's called homeschooling. Experience quiet and peaceful mornings again. How about instilling a sense of joy and excitement for learning in your child? Witness their true passions unfold as you go on this fulfilling journey together. Welcome to Hooked on Homeschool. I am Dawn Janowitz, a homeschool mom, wife, podcaster, and online course creator. And I want to give you the clarity, the confidence, the freedom, and all the strategies to show you that it is possible to create an amazing homeschool experience that works for both you and your kids. So come on, ladies, let's go from hot mess express to fierce and fun, and let's get hooked on homeschool. Hi, Donna. How are you today? Hi, Don. Hi. Well, welcome to the show today. I'm excited to have you on so you can share your experience of why you decided to homeschool and why you're still homeschooling, right? (laughs) All right. So what prompted you many, many years ago to want to start this journey? Right. Our son was born with a bowel birth defect that landed him in the NICU, the neonatal intensive care unit. For over 11 weeks, three major bowel surgeries, he had a prognosis of not living past a year old. And here we are. He's actually turning 23s. And so all along, because of immunocompromised issues and stuff like that, the doctors were very supportive of us wanting to homeschool. I had come to that conclusion determination early on in his life. And not so much when our daughter came along almost three years later to the date, I thought, well, he's an exception and we'll just plan to send her to school. But that that was the determining factor was that he had overarching medical and then developmental learning disabilities and, and intellectual disabilities needs came. They We began to notice them along the way too. So that cemented us and the idea that you know, he's probably going to have a lot of therapies and needs and things like that. Take it slow, his own pace. And that's where we came to that. So, Okay. And so your daughter, you originally, did you put her in public school and then pull her out or how did that go? We started with a year of preschool. I'm not, I'm not big on rushing kindergarten unless a child is very precocious and ready and displays things. So rushing formal schooling, we, we never did or planned to. We enrolled her in preschool when she was four, turning five. It was a Montessori preschool. So I thought I used a lot of Montessori in our work, our homeschooling work, and she was familiar with it. I thought this will get her that 
socialization kind of thing, which we've all, you know, that's been a trap of a lot of homeschooling endeavors is thinking that there won't be the socialization opportunities. And then we started her in public school at six, well, five turning six the next year. And I can tell you that it was a a whole host of negative issues that we absolutely, with all of our energy and intention efforts, tried to combat, but, you know, in every way we could, but just couldn't surmount them. So she came home permanently to homeschool in the middle of fourth grade, even though she was doing very well and the principal begged me not to take her out. She was probably their best, if not one of their best, you know, students in the school. And parents always think that, that like, oh, my child does well in school. Then that means your child will even do better at home. You don't have to pull them out of school just because they're not doing good in school. You can pull them out because there's so many more things you can teach them while being at home. Right. Right. So what is your, so let's go ahead and just fast forward for a minute. So right now your kids are 23 and 20? About to turn 20. They're both about to have birthdays this coming week, next week. <laughs> oh, that's great. So, so you've been homeschooling for quite a long time and now they still need you, right? Your kids still need you. Your daughter, is she off in college? And what is your son doing now? My daughter is pursuing a professional dance career in ballroom dancing. And she's also, actually, she works with people with developmental disabilities like our son as a care provider. That seems to be her slant. She did take a year of college at the end of her high school journey, the College Credit Plus program that a lot of homeschoolers use. And she she enjoyed it and did very well, but said, I would rather be able to focus on the stuff that I really want to learn and not have all these ed- general education requirements and, and things. And plus, her heart is really in movement and dance. And so getting out there and doing, she's always been the doer. Our son, of course, has autism and some medical issues. So we're looking at transitioning. What's, what's in his heart and what does he love to do? He loves to sing and perform. So how does that look like? What are the opportunities? What training? What skills does he need to make that happen? And then how, of course, everyone is always learning. Peyton, our son, needs a little more help with learning in a lot of ways and for it to be broken down and it's a different timeline. So that's where you end up homeschooling over, I think, the lifetime. Our kids, because we homeschooled, and and that's not the case, you know, completely is it can happen even if you school is they tend to turn to us as the first resource. Like, what does I want to get into this? What does it look like? And what are the options? And so we tend to start with what's your goal and then work back from that because there's multiple pathways to almost every goal. Yeah. And that's why I kind of want to do things a little different with you because you are a veteran homeschool mom and I want to you know, start out why you homeschooled, but then go fast forward, right, to what your kids are doing today. And now if you look back, so there, if there's a mom listening that is thinking about homeschooling, she's not quite sure, knowing what your kids are doing today, looking back, what would you say over the 12 years or however, you know, because we actually start homeschooling when they're born, right? We don't start like this arbitrary number when they're five. Looking back at everything, what would you say was the most important thing to create the success in your children today? 
The first thing is honoring the children's personality. Their temperament is what they call it in Waldorf. We, we've relied on a lot of Waldorf influence to our homeschooling. So honoring their temperament. My daughter, I call her the kinetic one. She was always doing, building, moving. It was hard to get her to slow down. Our son was the kind of thinker, loner, needing a lot of quiet time, downtime left to read. They were very different, but it was wonderful that they could also support one another. And I think a key to that is I call it edge of competence. It's something that I learned in RDI therapy with our son. And that is having someone go to the edge of their competence, never pushing them too far that they feel overwhelmed and get unhappy and not want to and want to shut down, but also not letting them get comfortable that they are not growing, stretching themselves, seeing that there's something bigger, better on the horizon. So we did that. We also, when you discover their temperaments and how they're wired, you also want to introduce the other side of things because you want balance in a person. You want the loud person to understand that they can be quiet and thoughtful and have those things. So giving them each the tools to balance the personalities that they have, that they come wired with. So every time I interview someone, they never say, oh, we we did this academics and we studied this. So it seems like the academics is always on the back burner, that that doesn't come first. It's discovering your children's talents, their gifts, their interests. So what do you say to the mom who's like, but they have to know the math, they have to know the English, that's not quite sure, like, how do you not push academics, which that is what they push in school. So... So you as a homeschool veteran mom, what do you say to the mom who who wants to put their kid in kindergarten because they were told that if they don't start with that foundation of knowing their ABCs and how to read in kindergarten, it's going to totally throw them off the rest of their life or the rest of their school years? And there are our children. I was one who discover letters and reading and sounds very early. They're drawn to label things and, and figure decode reading from a very early age. And then there are children who just aren't wired that way. And I would say to them, they're eventually, almost everyone is going to eventually read. And if you push it too fast, too far, too early, when they're not ready, they tend to shut down and they decide that they're a bad reader or they don't like reading. That's an example. They're bad at math or they just don't like math because it's it's going too fast. When they can really understand it, And sometimes it's just a particular area of math or reading or whatever subject. There's time to do that. I think there's less time to get that really solid foundation. And I was thinking about it as I knew this interview was approaching. And I thought one of the differences between me and a lot of moms is that I look anthropologically. I say, What did we do in tribes to nurture these people who then became adults who didn't have all of the troubles that we tend to have in the modern Western world? And what did we do along the timeline of human history? Because formal education wasn't even for the masses for so many, you know, hundreds of years, hundreds, if not thousands of years. And it's only relatively in in its infancy, but we've also like just rocket launched it into when should kids should be learning their letters like at two and three and we should be pointing out shapes and colors and I think we're missing 
a foundational thing that we had that we naturally nurtured for centuries, if not longer. And that's where I put my basis. Whenever I get troubled about are they were they learning enough as soon as as fast as they could, I would go, but what did we do? What did we do that turned out humans that were brilliant, had a love for all kinds of different subjects, maybe didn't master everything, but had a, a touch of interest in, in life and the world. And, and that's where I go. I'm like, they were solidly nurtured in the beginning. They weren't pushed. They, they then displayed an interest or aptitude that someone recognized. And then they pushed towards that. So I, I think that my son, my son started at least the, the copy reading where he's memorized the book that you've read <laughs> to him a million times. He started that at four and five. Uh, my daughter would be building something with Legos and she would occasionally come and look at what we were reading. What the, ooh, I want to see the picture for that, those words. So she was always taking it in, even if I didn't notice. So it was there in the background. They are absorbing like a sponge. And sometimes it won't be years until you see the demonstration of that. But I, I do think if they're ready, they're going to display that readiness and you can kind of allow them to work on their own timeline because there are certainly kids who are ready to do kindergarten work and able to fly through it, but maybe uh, have socialization or they need physical needs met. And so the one size fits all. You sit at a desk, you do this. We all learn this at the same time. I don't think that's a great model. Right. And I agree. So your daughter now does ballerina and you had mentioned that she loves movement. What did you notice over the years that you saw, like you thought it maybe was a disobedience. You'd be like, okay, let's sit down and do reading. Let's sit down and do math. What did you see or what? Could, how could you help other moms that say your child is not doing anything wrong? They're just doing what feels good to them, right? What feels natural to them? Right. Yes. And she's a ballroom dancer, not ballerina. She would be But yes, what I saw in her was just that desire to move. And so one of the things that people have to understand is that whole nurturing of the child's temperament meant that if we were learning to spell or learning our, our letters in sequence or our numbers in sequence or counting by twos, counting by fives, we would do something like throw a beanbag with her because if she was moving, she was right on it. But that's something you can't replicate in school. You can't sit and toss a ball or beanbag back and forth to each individual child. And, and that helps them click. But yes, it, she was moving and wanting to see things from the you know time that she was an infant. So that was her. So if someone has a child that they're always saying, sit down, sit down, we need to do this, sit down. If you find yourself saying that, maybe figure out another way to help your child, right? Like don't always tell them to sit down if that's not their natural ability. They want to get up, they want to move, figure out how to do math standing up, throwing a ball, counting back and forth and things like that, right? And even shorter periods, like you're able to say, you know, maybe sit down and get through this set of problems or this set of spelling words or this chunk of time on the computer if you do that and then get up and do it. So you can honor what's their limit. What's their limit where if you push them past that, they start not being engaged. They, they're not taking in what they need to. And that varies with each kid. It varies with each subject that you get into. 
I know some of them, my daughter could like listen to or watch a segment on history for a long, long time. And my son just didn't care. He's like, I, I don't want that. I don't like that. Why do I need to know it? So. Hi, friends. Are you wanting to homeschool, but you just don't even know where to start? If so, I have got some exciting news to share with you. Did you know that I have a free workshop that will help you get started with homeschooling? Plus, I'll give you valuable tips and insights to help guide you along the way. I invite you to visit Hooked on Homeschool, where I'll teach you how to create an amazing homeschool experience right now. Take this first step towards the incredible journey of homeschooling by visiting hookedonhomeschool.com. Right, right. And that's so true. Every kid has their own their own way of wanting to learn and what they're interested in. You know, a few weeks ago, I interviewed Connor Boyack, who has written over 40 books. He is the writer of the Tuttle Twins books. And it's interesting because what he said was something that I have always believed in, but, you know, I'm not an author. I, I haven't done all the research. But basically, if you can get a child to know how to find something and go on the internet and figure out how to find the information... Like, that's all you need to do. And I really wholeheartedly believe that way, teaching my children to figure out to get the answer. So a couple of things I did with my son when I pulled him out of school in second grade is we always kind of did math. I felt like math was important for him and he liked it. So learning numbers and everything came easy for him, but also how to type and how to go online and try to find something. I think that is really important because now he's in high school and he could just type, he could just, you know, it's not a block for him. He could just figure out how to get the information, what question to ask. And I think that's really important nowadays because you can go through all this trying to teach your children things that they just don't want to know or they are not interested in. They're not going to retain it. So find the things they're interested in and then just teach them how to find more of that information, right? Oh, yes, definitely. It's the critical thinking skills. It's the competence, like the, I, I've got this no matter what, or I can figure it out. It's not that focus on, I either got this score on the test or I didn't. I was able to cram in this much information overnight to pass a test versus I really know how to explore deep into a subject area that I want. I, I can figure out this may not work well this time, but I can try it again another time. And I have the opportunity to do so. It's not just that one shot and it's done. Right, right. Exactly. And so if you had to go back and look at where you are today, is there anything that you would change or do different knowing the outcome, like knowing what's important, I guess, with this time with our children? Absolutely. I'd say the first foremost thing is that I never would have enrolled my daughter in preschool. And that kind of uh, pushed my son to be like, if she's going to school, I need to go to school, which ended up we had a series of disastrous events. And I think a lot of the events that were negative were because they were trained to be very open-minded problem solvers. So if there was an issue at school that they thought, didn't work or shouldn't be, they were like, well, we should be able to change it because we had that theme. If something isn't working, change it. And that can be in the moment. It can be in the day. It can be a lot more long-term, like this just is something that isn't working with our family or this child. The other thing I would say is I 
of course, I probably wouldn't have done any social media at all ever. It's such a negative influence. It's a technology can also be a big time suck. And then people who, for example, my daughter who are drawn to movement and doing things can find themselves enmeshed in hours of video or online conversations and things like that. And then they start to feel badly and they don't know why, you know, and I'm like, you're not meeting your internal needs as a person because this is a very compelling, it's a very dopamine driven kind of thing that's set up for that reason. So that is definitely another one. I say as much as a lot of people enjoy co-ops and things like that. It's sort of like those can be hit or miss with people. Another thing I would do is try to foster more inclusion in the homeschooling communities. I think that's still as as favorable as I would say it is because my particular slant is dealing with kids with uh, special needs, homeschooling special needs and homeschooling, integrating those into the community and finding opportunities I would say that homeschooling kids are still kids and the examples we set as parents are kind of what they take and run with. Like if what we allow is what becomes the norm. And so I would say trying to really help people understand about true inclusion, because that's a difficult thing, whether it's in public school or a homeschool co-op or something like that, helping them understand about how to include. Because I think when we have busy schedules and we have set ways of doing this kind of stuff, we don't have that time. I think that's the beauty of homeschooling is you have the time to develop relationships and you have the time to really look at what things are important, what things are important to nourish a human being, not just to school a child. Right. And and nowadays, everything is just so busy, 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 right? I mean, and, and kids are in high school, they talk about having anxiety. It's like, why? How? I just, you know, we never said those words when we were in high school. Why is everything so hard and so busy and so fast? And that is like normal that, you know, if you're like not doing anything, or you actually say, oh, I'm not busy, like that's not normal nowadays. And we're teaching our children that is how life is. So I also feel with homeschooling, you got to be careful because you can do too much, right? You could be so busy that you're doing all these co-ops, you're doing all this, plus you have your curriculums, you're, you know, so much going on. And I think the beauty of homeschooling is really to have a relaxing homeschool experience. Right, absolutely. And I think that brings back to the whole, when I talked about trying to do things, say, as tribal communities, and as we have done for centuries, That's why we specifically chose to incorporate Waldorf and Montessori themes. I think the Montessori really teaches you, you know, they teach early things like how to pour, how to sort, you know, there's an emphasis on things, real world things that will help a child recognize patterns, uh, develop physical competence and doing, actively doing things that matter, matter around the house, matter in the world today. The other thing with Waldorf was the rhythm and establishing a rhythm, which then you can pick and choose to do very intentional things that meet your children where they are. You know, I think the idea that we have to do everything, as you said, one of the misconceptions if you homeschool is that you're going to be bored. But now, probably more than ever, there's so many things, so many opportunities for homeschoolers. There are dance studios and 
theater programs that open up homeschool specific things during the day, which is great because that meets a lot of people's schedules. And But it's so flexible and, and having that rhythm, it helped my son with autism know what to expect. It, it made each day feel similar, even if it had different elements. It allowed us to get our things done. If it was laundry day or house cleaning day or something else or errand running day, then it, it and it enabled them to know what things needed to be accomplished to manage their lives and then how we did it. And I think sometimes public school kids don't see that. You have the kids going off to college who've never washed a load of laundry or cooked a full meal, planned a, anything like that. And that's the beauty of homeschooling is that you can incorporate all of that. Everything is schooling. Everything that someone needs to know to function as an independently is schooling and it's and it all involves whether we realize it or not reading literacy math all of that writing in some cases so you know your kids can even become politically active if they're concerned about something and and write letters to government officials and speak and my daughter's even testified provided testimony at the state house you know that kind of thing but it is a it it is a trap of homeschoolers, but it's a trap of all parents to get stuck in the, we have to do this because it, this opportunity exists and so-and-so is doing it, so we should be doing it. And the beauty of living an independent, intentional life is that you choose which experiences meet you and which ones you're going to avoid. And one of the things I say in terms of public school, because we were even, we went so far as to be leaders of the PTA and we won awards for contributing to our school systems, our districts and our schools. And I'm like, I realized that I can't affect the change. The, the instant, I can make change instantaneously in the homeschool, in the home environment. I, it could take months, years, or maybe never to affect that same change in the public school system. And by the time you have gotten to it, gotten the correct uh, people involved and on up the chain, your child has already experienced what they have. And it, it can be a very negative thing. So you have such power when you homeschool to make those changes instantaneously. And that was an important lesson. And what would you say to the parents that are listening to you and saying, okay, homeschool sounds great. But what about the kids going off to college? What if they, they're sitting there thinking, so how am I going to get them prepared for college? I feel like I'm not going to set them on that springboard that they're going to fail if I don't start them from a very early age. Right. Again, pushing can be just as detrimental as never introducing or not learning in, in, at any point. And I think people display readiness. And when that readiness comes, I know this in my daughter's case, uh, absolutely, is that when the readiness came, she took off. And it was uh, pushing, pushing reading. Ohio has a third grade reading guarantee program. She wasn't reading proficiently in second grade. When she took her test, she bombed it. And like I said, when I then, you know, fast forward to, a year and a half later, middle of fourth grade, and they didn't want me to pull her out because she was top of her class. And what we did was we practiced what does it look like when you're taking a test. So there's the beauty in that too. You can sit and you can say, here's what it looks like. But in a very, unfortunately, hers was in a very stressful way to get her to take the test 
in school, the assessments that they did, the state tests. At home, it can be a very relaxed way and you can take lots of practice tests. There's an abundance of them. I'm sure you know that online. You can also figure out where they have gaps and you can spend time on those. And of course, some people do year long schooling and they do it very informally. And because it's one on one typically or one on few, you get the advantage of concentrating on that and not having them sit in a classroom and then they miss it and they don't maybe don't even understand what they've missed. And you certainly don't understand what did they miss in that classroom? How can I support them? Definitely, it was. It definitely comes along the way as long as you are sitting and doing something and you're figuring out where did they excel and you're really putting a lot of focus. We put a lot of focus on the positives. We try to minimize the negatives. They're just speed bumps along the way. Failure is not the end of the road. Failure just means there's something to work on. That's what yeah, and, and you don't want to waste their whole childhood getting them ready to go off to college, right? It's about going off to be an adult. And so many things about homeschooling allows you to help your children do those things. So everything you do as a homeschool mom is about helping to grow themselves as a person, not getting them prepared for college, which is what you do when you send them to school. So what are some three hacks or inspiration or tips that you have for parents that you would love to share to help them on their journey? Right. (laughs) I think I've covered a lot of them, but the one is to honor your child's personality, their basic personality and their slants. That's a, a huge one. I would say don't sweat the things you think you've missed. If you're in a moment of difficulty, stop, do something differently and move on, move on, because you're going to find it. You're both going to find it. And another one, I think, is to to give them coping tools. That's a big one that I've realized recently that a lot of, of people, especially adults, don't have is to say, you're feeling stressed right now. Let's explore ways that we can manage that stress. Are you someone who needs to move? To manage the stress, do you need to jump on a rebounder, mini trampoline? Do you need to go outside and swing? Maybe you need to get your bare feet in the grass, walk around. Do you want to spend some time digging in the garden? Do you need to sit down on a beanbag and and read something? So, And these are things that will take the child through their whole life if they learn these things while they're young. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. It's not just coping with the stress, but it's recognizing when you are. And there's an opportunity to change it. And I think we can make people who will change the world one by one by saying, you know, I I don't feel good. So I'm going to take a moment to stop and acknowledge that and then feel better and go on and do so much better, so much better outside of the moment. And the other thing is to build people who question, who are looking for answers, solutions, not just wanting to identify problems and complain about them and ask someone else to solve them, expect someone else to solve them, but truly empowered, independent thinking individuals who know themselves and and understand what they need in the moment and can then help others, others to see. I think you change one person at a time and then the wave, it ripples on like kindness, you know, you pay, pay it forward. <laughs> I love that. Well, thank you so much, Donna, for being on the show today. I think you have inspired a lot of people. You have a great story. You have a great homeschool experience. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. 